this fifth session on Romans 8 of Look at the Book, we're going to ask a second time uh, what the law could not do. We asked it last time, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. What, what could the law not do? And our first answer was the law could not condemn sin in the flesh of the Son of God. The law condemns sin just fine, and it always renders a guilty verdict. And God, by condemning our sin in Christ's flesh, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin. Christ had none because it was in the likeness of sinful flesh. He didn't have sinful flesh. He was in the flesh, but not sinful. He condemned our sin in Christ's flesh, and that great substitution rendered us free. No condemnation, as it says in verse 1. That's what the law could not do. Second question today. What else can the law not do? And the answer is given right here in this, in order that. There was a purpose in God's freeing us from condemnation through the death of his son. So, Father, as we focus on verse 4 in this glorious purpose clause of why the Son of God died and what he unleashed in dying in us, I pray that it will happen in us, that we would both understand it and experience it in Jesus' name. Amen. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So two questions. One, how is the righteous requirement of the law fulfilled in verse 4? And number two, what is the righteous requirement of the law? And the answer given to the how question is first in us, and then it's done by a walk according to the Spirit. So it seems to me that <coughs> this fulfillment here is not talking about the legal fulfillment of all that the law requires, which is then imputed to us in justification, which I think is true. I think other passages teach that, like Romans 5, 18 and 19. But this is in us, not for us. The righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled for us is a true theological statement, but here it's not the point, it seems to me. It's in us, and it's in us as we're walking, and it's in us by the work of the Holy Spirit. So my answer to question one is the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us by our walk through the power of the Holy Spirit as our walk is made uh, in, according to, in accordance with the Holy Spirit. Question number two, what is the righteous requirement of the law? And you could say, well, I suppose it's everything that the law required, and therefore that's what we are fulfilling. But I wonder if we shouldn't say, well, since he's being very specific here about happening in us, by our walk, by the Spirit, there might not be something more closely 
focus that he's thinking about. And I, I believe that's the case if you go over and look at what he says in Romans 13, 8 to 10. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves has fulfilled the law. For the commandment, you shall love, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up, all the commandments summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor. So love is a summing up of all all the commandments of the Bible, of the Old Testament, of the law. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is a fulfilling of the law. So this summary of the law in love is a fulfillment of the law when it is lived out in the life of the Christian. Now let's go back and see if that works here. The righteous requirement of the law, which I'm suggesting now, is love. Love. In order that love, a life of love, might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And it seems confirmed because in Galatians 5.22, love is a fruit of the Spirit. So my answer to the first question is that the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us through a kind of walk or life which is in accord with the, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And on the basis of Romans 13 and those amazingly close parallels there, I'm suggesting that the righteous requirement of the law is summed up in love which fulfills the whole law. A couple of closing um, inferences. This verse 3 is the verse of God providing his son so that we would not have any condemnation. It's the, it's the level of or the verse of justification. Because of the work of the Son of God, we are declared just or righteous or no condemnation because Christ bore our condemnation. This verse 4 is the level of sanctification. This is real change. This is a walk. Uh, it is in us. It is by the Spirit. This is the work of the Spirit making us a loving people. And what's the relationship in order that? This is so important. Let's put rid. It, it is in order that. So the relationship is we are justified in order that we might be sanctified. Don't ever turn them around. Or Here's another way to say it. The only sin that can be defeated by the Spirit... is a forgiven sin. In other words, 
the order of sanctification, the gospel way of sanctification is we first enjoy, trust in, are satisfied by our status as no condemnation, all sins forgiven. And now, on the basis of being justified, we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, make war on everything that is the opposite of love. And we keep them in the gospel order of first the work of Christ to justify us, then the work of the Spirit released by that to sanctify us.